You're listening to The Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective. Welcome to episode 34 of the Collabcast. It's Friday, July 1st, 2016. I'm Marvin. Oh, is that me? I thought you were introducing me. I apologize. Hi, this is Minji. You guys know me. (laughs) (laughs) And we're your co-hosts for this episode. And um, coming at you a little late today because everyone's traveling around, but... I should introduce our guest. Hi. There you go. Our guest this week's coming at us all the way from the East Coast, New York City. Everyone say hello to Aquafina. Hello. What's hello, up? New York City. <laughs> you might remember. <laughs> you might know her from such great um, rap videos. Yes. Like rap video. You sound so square right now. <laughs> <laughs> from such great rap videos. Some, uh, it's been a long day. Video. Some hip hop videos. For Music that. style. <laughs> Music styling of Aquafina. Um, yes. Most recently, a um, a song called Green Tea, which featured Margaret Cho. You might have seen that going around. Loved, mm-hmm. loved. Fire. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I love cor- yeah. collaboration. My, one of my first shows ever. No way, awesome. really? No, not one of my first, but I remember going to, I think Dumb did one, and I did a thing with him, and... Um, but then I eventually did collaboration, and it was a little awkward because of my set. But there were very young kids there. But um, it was fun. I love collaboration. Yeah, thank you. I remember that's where I first met you, and I and yeah, it was. I thought it was great. I, I'm, you know, it was. I was probably gonna get an earful from somebody. I didn't really care though. I was like, you know what? This did is you get an earful? Did. No, I did not. Well, people were questioning. I didn't get like. You know, yelled at. No, no, no. People people were like, "What was that?" It it would be more like me yelling at myself, if anything. But I wasn't. I was just like, I, I feel like we broke new ground with that show. We were, we were being bold, and you're trailblazing, and I loved it. And I'm a huge fan of yours, so I'm super excited that you're here talking with us. Yeah, as you know, today is July 1st, which means it's Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, everybody! Yay! (laughs) It's also Minji's birthday month day. Woo! Oh, cancer? Yes. Wow, okay. I you know, see you. That's cool. Emotional Rex. When when is your birthday? June 2nd. June, oh, Gemini. Yeah. Lots of Gemini artists. There's so many, it's not even funny. Yeah, there definitely <laughs> are. <laughs> there well, I was going to go into my description of what candidate was, but Minji quickly changed the topic, so um, we'll just move on. You're into... the only Canadian. You're outnumbered, but God bless you. Are you Canada. Canadian? I am, but oh, okay. Minji doesn't care about our culture, so oh. um, we're gonna go into the show. I have great respect um, for Canada, actually. Each <laughs> libel and slander, right there. Well, you just kind of talked over my Canada Day thing, but it's okay. I'm over it. Each and every week, we start the podcast out by going around the table for a quick discussion on what's on our minds in pop culture and Asian America. So this week, let's start with Minji. What's on your mind? It's on my mind. Um, again, it's just another sad week. Uh, no, actually, what's on my mind is the fact that the academy just added a buttload of, you know, a, diverse a, 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 people. Diverse people, if you, yeah, there was, I was going a buttload of diversity. Um, but yes, a really great group of diverse academy members are now part of the posse, and I love it. And I don't know. It got kind of. It was definitely a a, a rocky six months. I don't know. This year just got like off to a really heated start with award season. But I think we've definitely made our our voices heard and things are starting to move. So that was like a really great thing. Yeah, but you know, you know what's annoying? I think is like when stuff like that happens, you mm-hmm. like it just looks kind of op- like it's great. It's great progress, and I think it's it's really good that like. 
they're finally adding like proper representation, women, African-Americans, Asians, like they really went in. But it's like you should have done this before there was major controversy over it. You know what I mean? Completely agree. It just looks it looks staged, you know. It and is I mean, it's, and it's, it's annoying like, for me to even say that. Or, and people are probably like, well, you should have done it. Be-. But I mean, it's true. Like, you should have done it before when, like, it, it actually could have, like, you, you could have avoided all of that media mess right. by just having representation, you know? Right. right. But that's the thing with a lot of even just, let's just say just American culture, like the civil rights movement, suffrage, all this, you know, shitty things that should have been fixed long ago happened because the people in power decided, well, let's see how long we can stretch this out before we get into yeah. real big trouble. And then once it becomes something, that's, that's why, you know, that's why activism is so important in today's world because if you don't make a big stink about it, nothing will change, right? If no one speaks up, nothing right. happens. And it sucks that that has to be that way. And, you know, a lot of people are working on, you know, well, I, I'm always like that advocate, which is why I'm a fan of what you do and so many of the artists that we know because it's like that's the most effective way versus like the complaining, which is it gets old, it gets irritating, and it's stupid because I bet you these people who added these academy members are like patting themselves on the back now. You know what I mean? Look at oh, us. Yeah, and, and I bet some of them diverse. are pretty salty. I bet some of them are pretty are, are like, well, we did it, so what can they say now? You know. Right. right. Um, I just think that there's like a definite there's like a puppet master element to a lot of like the industry in America, not just for Asian Americans, but, you know, the in the in the entertainment industry is run by people like they allow the Asian people in. So it's not like we kind of take it over, but we kind of come in at the mercy of them, you know. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's 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 not really like we've we've done so much to infiltrate the industry. It's like we've done so much to convince the people that run the industry that you know, we can, we can do it too, you know, and when they don't want anymore, they don't want, they they won't get anymore. Right. And then you, and then you run into issue where now that we're in, like, we got to play by the rules or else we'll get kicked out. Right. There's a lot of, well, I feel like that's, yeah, it's all for discussion now because that's, I feel like everyone in Hollywood in general and media right now, it's kind of like, they're all kind of shitting their pants because everything's changing so quickly that the powers that be, are no longer. I mean, they're quickly losing relevance or power or authority to make that kind of call where it's, I don't know, I feel like at least people have the the platforms to speak up a little bit more. Um, yeah. I mean, that's why they call it YouTube Asian Hollywood, you know, because yeah. that is that is a form of media that we've infiltrated for ourselves. But um, I guess like that kind of independence only goes as far as that until you're working on, on projects that like have nothing to do with you, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I wonder yeah. about that too because um, I was just at VidCon this past week and surrounded by teens. It was it was it was terrible. But <laughs> I was looking around and sure, when YouTube first started, that was where the Asian American creatives flocked to because that was where we can could create stuff without any gatekeepers and even telling us that no one wants to see our face on screen. But it feels like now it's kind of become. You look around and there's still a bunch of really white faces around here, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation with myself a lot. Um, and, and what I've, what, what it's come down to is that we are definitely a minority in, in America still. And, you know, that's not to say that we shouldn't like, you know, deserve a a chance to be like put on in any way, but it, it is like, like for instance, um, and this is probably extremely controversial of me to say, um, Ghost in the Shell, like Scarlett Johansson playing, um, like, you know, a very famed Japanese character. Um, it, it, I, I understand why it bothered so many people, but at the same time, I don't think that if, if Japan remade Titanic, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think they would cast two white actors. Um, they would cast Japanese people, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's the Japanese version of of an american movie and they've done this a lot they they've they've taken kind of american concepts and brought it over there um but with asian people and with different plot lines so that um their audience understood it better um i think ghost in the shell is a pretty bad um it's a pretty bad uh, comparison because ghost in the shell is such like you know it's so involved in um Japanese culture, but you know, I I think that like we kind of also have to understand that we're we're definitely a minority 
Um, and I think even more so than African-Americans um, in this country. And, and to see that them not represented is is very sad as well. You know, and it yeah. speaks for the rest of us. I think well. the um, yeah, I think the key difference there. I mean, I do agree. You know, they had some people try to raise a stink that they casted Japanese people to play um, characters that were European from Full Metal Alchemist, um, which is an anime turned into live action movie mm-hmm. um, where the characters are of European descent in the comics, they're drawn as white people, but they're cast as Japanese people because that's, it's a Japanese movie. I think the key difference for me there is that Japan is still very much a homogenous society, right? Um, whereas America is, yeah. we hang our hat on being a diverse culture, a country of immigrants, a country of like a melting pot, right? That's like what our branding is. Mm-hmm. So when you're making American media and, you know, Ghost in the Shell, Though inspired by a Japanese source material, it's an American project. I think it is on the filmmakers to to think about diversity and think about like, well, this character is written as a Japanese person. Are there people? Are there people who can play that that we don't? So we don't have to turn this. So we don't have to whitewash it, right? And mm-hmm. I think the big argument has always been there. There's not enough. Asian leading men or ladies, but now there there, there are. are you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one a better example of something that actually did really piss me off and was unnecessary was Emma Stone and in, in that um that Hawaiian Aloha. Movie, Aloha. Right. That that's an example of something that pissed me off because um I uh, the the thing with Ghost in the Shell is that when you sell a movie, you need to put an anchor on that movie. You know, so like in the same way, like if you would go to Japan, if, if, if maybe Full Metal Alchemist, they probably hired the biggest stars in Japan to play like the leads. Whereas in America, they like movies when, when they sell, when they get investors, when they get money, they need to have an anchor. And for Aloha, they had an anchor already. You know, right. it, was, it was a huge director. They didn't need Emma Stone. You know, this wasn't just like an indie. You know, <laughs> they could have gotten a real part Asian woman, which I think they are really like, you don't really see them um, in movies a lot. Like you get people like Keanu who are kind of like ambiguously, right. part Asian, <laughs> but you never get people who are like, like Devin Aoki, like half, half, you know? Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think, th- I think with Aloha, yeah. they could have definitely, you know, God, and they defended that to the end because they're saying, well, uh, Emma Stone does look like the actual woman in question, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, they didn't, th- I mean, that's the defense. Yeah, regardless. regardless yeah. Like you're you're gonna think P- just PR, right? Even from a business standpoint, that like you've never heard this argument, you wouldn't think a step and a half ahead that like, okay, we're gonna put like the whitest woman. Literally, like Emma Stone is like ultra white. I freaking love her, you know, but she's ginger freckled, like white woman. Yeah, and you know, it's not necessarily her fault. Like she's a working actress, you know. Right, exactly. She a movie, she's gonna take it. She's not gonna like not take a movie for, in defense of Asian Americans. Exactly. Although that would have been awesome, but she, you know, just wouldn't have happened. We, we said but, that about Scarlet too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the yeah. big thing is just now that it's become now that people are noticing it's becoming a trend. You're seeing the industry kind of start to correct itself, or at least, you yeah. Know, and it's doing Play, it in such yeah. a way that the Academy did recently. Yeah. Well, it's like, they want Asians, we'll give them Asians. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to work with people who, like, do, have not represented Asian people the wrong way and have definitely given um, me, my own, like, my own voice, you know? like the, Well, at least the last two movies I did, there was no Asian in it, you know? It was just normal, yeah. which I think is the kind of melting pot um desire that that you know that that works you know yeah all right moving on uh forever we can talk about this forever and we we will we'll we'll inevitably be back because i don't think hollywood is done learning its lessons but uh aquafina what's on your mind lately what's on my mind um i don't know i was on facebook and i just saw um like you know now this news there are like videos who it's called Now This News. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They it's, always it's, make um... political videos and like, you kind of like paraphrase all like the videos. Well, they did one on like another rapist from Indiana University that got a year of probation for raping two women. So that was that was Fabulous. just on my mind. I just read that just like right before I did, got on this. 
Marvel. Speaking um, speaking of trends that will keep coming back until yeah, I mean, yeah. I I want to I think I want to do a little more research on that, and then because at the same time, right under that, they they said that the Stanford rapist, his judge just had a Latin like a Latino guy, yeah, and he ch- gave that guy three years for a very similar crime. Yep. So I don't know. I just I can't believe it. Like I don't know. That's on my mind. You'd think like he'd be more. I mean, okay. The spotlight is Clearly on you. Clearly, he reads the right? news and the press on himself, and no one has has brought anything <laughs> to light. Of I mean, not defending him, but that's kind of a tough spot to be in. Like, do you give this guy also lenient um, sentence because that's your thing now? Right, he's out um, of himself is all. Like he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the judge should have been taken off the case. I mean, I don't know. I I I don't understand how any of this works. I and I don't know. I just it that was on my mind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Right after that Stanford case, the um, the sentence came down. There was a big move to get him removed, and everyone's talking about, oh, the, there's an election coming up, and um, let's vote him out. The problem there is there was no one running against him. I will right. run against him. <laughs> I will go get my friggin' Yeah, Christine, lawsuit. where were you? You should have went. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, went to, I, I apologize. Yeah, get your your brother's a lawyer. He can he can be a judge, right? Yes, he can. That's how he, it works. Absolutely. <laughs> I just, I just really hope that this Stanford rapist never finds work. I think that's... I think he could he could have went to prison for three or four years. That's fine. He'll be a registered sex sex offender. But I think the real punishment for him will come when he lives his life. You know, yeah. I, I I think like you know for for what he did, um, I think the maximum sentence you could receive on that is is a couple of years, unless you know, like I I, I researched it, and so he could have spent a couple of years in prison. I think that if he gets hired at like a hedge fund or something, or as a lawyer, and he goes to law, I think that would be the worst thing. That would be the worst thing for like everyone watching it for his victim, for everybody, you know? I don't think I'm pretty sure he's he got convicted though of the felony, right? He was so. convicted of three felonies. That oh, was why he was convicted for sure. <laughs> he was a he's a registered sex offender. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um and I I think that's where he's gonna really learn. Well, I, I mean, hate him so much. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so like I, I, I hate just, him. Every oh time my god. I just think of him I was like, fuck that guy. But it's really crazy because I mean, in that way, the out, I, that's what I feel like there was a level of street justice that is, you know, to be determined in the near future. But the level, I, what I appreciated was the level of outrage. Because this guy got off so easily, the response to that ridiculous sentencing was so strong oh, that, yeah. like, everybody, you saw the comments in so many different posts and everyone's like, well, good luck. Exactly what you said, like, good luck in your regular life, bro. Like, you have yeah. the whole world... And- the beauty Ready of the internet is that we all know what he looks like now. You know I what know. I mean? Yeah. We know, like, if you showed people, anyone, a picture of three different guys and said, which one's a Stanford rapist, everyone would know what he looks like. I know we've, ta- like, we've talked about this um, before as well, but there's definite shades of the Vincent Chin case in this um, whole thing because it was the same argument that the, that judge gave the murderers of Vincent Chin where it's like, you don't send these type of men to prison. They wouldn't yeah. do well, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the sad thing about that case was, since it happened in the 80s, not a lot of people know about it unless you really took an Asian American studies class or you, you No, know, that's like a deep cut Asian American right? event for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was just educated thoroughly this year, to be honest. Yeah, on that I, Facebook I, I video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With Jenny and everybody in it. I didn't, I didn't know the details. And I felt like that's... I mean, it was awful for me to figure out like all this stuff had happened and I had no idea. But that's just, again, kind of referencing the time and the ability for us to share information was like non-existent at that time. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy now. I think it's I think it's amazing. I love the Internet. Yeah, I do. I do. And I hate it. It's just so it's it's also really overwhelming right now. Like there's just (laughs) so much. Yes. Awful. If you guys are interested or if our listeners are interested in learning more about that case as well, because it does have shades of what happened to the Stanford bro. Um, there are two great movies out. Um, I think you can get them. I don't know if you can get them on Netflix, but if you search, I think they're probably probably on YouTube. And one is called Who Killed Vincent Chin, which is a documentary made, I think, in the early 90s following the actual events and the civil case and everything. And the other one is Who Is Vincent Chin, which mm. is a documentary made I think recently in the last couple of years where they actually the whole point is, the whole point of this this um the documentary was how modern youth 
don't know who he is and how right, important he was right. to the community. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, not to diminish the importance of that. And I, I think, you know, we've talked about how important it is to understand our roots and these issues. Just like coming back to the Stanford case, like it's also just it's it's the culture of it's the rape culture stuff that just still it it feeds all of this garbage that is just regurgitated over and over the people <laughs> coming to this guy's defense. You know what I'm saying? Like. I yeah, mean, it's, it's an unholy, it's an unholy combination so of so rape gross. culture and white privilege, right? Because on one hand, it's like, well, you know, we don't send people like that to prison. On the other hand, like, no, but but the, but especially the when the people that are the worst in these situations and these, these like armchair critics come out and they're rape sympathizer, uh, rape. They, they they basically don't understand, and they're like, well, she shouldn't have gone out. Yeah, looking like that. She shouldn't have gotten drunk. Drunk. She shouldn't blah, blah, have blah. passed out. It was her fault. Like you know, they're always that that bunch, that lovely bunch of yeah. people that come out. And they're like, well, she should she should have went home and just went home and ate, ate dinner. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the George. grossest. Yeah. But that father. I mean, that's why I mean I'm bringing it back because there's so many layers to this case that uh, I just are snacks. so disgusting and father like talking. Uh, yeah, the snacks and the, the snacks. steak. And like twenty minutes of action, like I want to punch him in his face. Yeah, and, you know I'm uh, in the Bay right now. I really could go down to the South Bay. And I what- feel like you should. Why not? <laughs> I have some time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many just, and it's like it's not a unique like rape culture is an, a uniquely American problem. It's a problem all over the place. You know, you hear about oh, all over the damn world. I mean, we're the we're we're first world <laughs> problems, right? Like that's yeah. it's that's what's frightening about it. That's why I mean. It, there's so much gravity to this is such a tip of the iceberg kind of discussion. That's why, as, as upsetting as it is, why I don't want people to shy away from it um, because it's such a necessary conversation. And, and that's the thing. Like, you don't know what progress is going to result out of just complaining. But I think that it's good that people are showing, like men and women, right, like showing their outrage and showing their support in whatever capacity they can because that yeah. that is what alters that's what alters the culture. That's what shifts yeah. it towards yeah. not being raped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, some people just need, be, need to be shown how not to be a dick. Yeah, I think there you go. just raise your son. Well. I think that's <laughs> what it comes down to, you know? Yeah. Word. Word. All right. All right. So my topic was I was thinking about talking more about the Brexit, but um, since we've had such heavy topics, I'm yeah, going to bring it. Deep, I'm going to bring it back up. Uh, Wang Fu just released their first lip sync video in over ten years. Nice. Um, wow. And they went back to UCSD, and I don't know. To me, as like uh, so the Wang Fu guys and me, uh, I didn't know them in college, but we were the same year, the same same went to the same school. So it just brought back a lot of nostalgia about just. Seeing San Diego again, UCSD, our library, our library walk, you know, um, all the, the dorms that they um, they recorded in, the Mexican food, and just reminded me of just how far we've come since, because I remember when those Wang Fu videos first came out back in 2003, 2002, we were like, there was no YouTube, we were all still on Zanga, we were all, you know. Still playing N sixty fours in the dorms, <laughs> like it was. Um, I was not. It was a but different time. I'm sure there were many that were. <laughs> was Christine? I was. I was N sixty four dorms. Yeah, I was not an N sixty four. I'm not very skilled in that capacity. <laughs> but I, I actually didn't even. My thing is yeah. that I got introduced to Wong oh, really late. So I, I don't actually. I, I'm. This will be my first lip sync video that I ever see of theirs. Really? Yeah. You didn't see their original? Um, yeah, so their their first ever video was Senorita by Justin Timberlake. And it was like shot on like a mini DV camera uploaded onto our school's FTP drive. And I remember hearing about this video from my friends on the East Coast because they started watching it and started sharing it through you know message boards and email. And it was just back when, even before Gmail was around, we were still using Gmail came like, hella late. No, Gmail came yeah, 2002, Gmail. 2003. Like that was the year. Uh, if you were a blogger member, if, so if you're on blogger, you got a free trial. You got into the beta. So I got into the beta really early. Um, I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I am an early adopter, guys. And yeah, those. It was like before viral became 
a word, a thing that we use. That so mm-hmm. this new video they made was is of um, "Can't Stop the Feeling," which is Justin Timberlake as well. I love and that it, was, song. it just seemed fitting to like go full circle. But mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that's cute. I, I I did it actually. My first video that was ever sent to me was actually a collaboration video, so it's very ironic. I <laughs> really? I wasn't. Yeah, somebody. Uh, Somebody sent me PK's song, um, him performing It Costs a Lot to Be Your Opa, where he's basically just talking oh shit my... about Korean Dude, girls. Dude, I just met PK, like, recently. Yeah? Yeah, we did. We got on his podcast at, at um, The yeah, Laugh his, Factory. Yeah, um, his Kimchi Kimchi podcast. It's um, Awesome. Yeah. Don't you love him? I love him. Dude, he's amazing. His stand-up he's... set was hilarious. Yeah, he's the best. He was hilarious, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad you met him. Yeah, that was the first. So he's I guess, the founder of Collaboration. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So that everyone kind of, and that's what Marvin and I've talked about with like a lot of different people. Like, what was your introduction? What was your origin story? Or like, where did you finally kind of get plugged into the Asian American scene, if you will? Because mm-hmm. it came in so many different waves and forms. And I get, you know, it's clear like Marvin was part of the Wong Fu wave. I really, I found out about them way way later and i didn't watch all their videos until later um <laughs> so my entry was collaboration and i just love mm-hmm. what was yours did you like were you part of any you of know, the asian pride days or anything i you know i wasn't i i missed out on all that i hung out with like there was like a really cool asian group um in my junior high school they were just like cool dudes uh-huh. um but they didn't, they thought I was weird. Like they just thought I was weird. They like they like wore North faces and like smoked menthols and stuff. <laughs> but like they were like the cool Asians. And then I went to like an arts high school, and my friends I had Asian friends, but they weren't predominant. Like they were a fair mix of different people. Uh, but then my other best friend was white, and then another best friend that was Peruvian. Like it was just very like mixed. Um, so then like when I became Aquafina. Of uh, an Asian writer from the Daily Beast um, was like, oh. "Hey, I just found your video," and then so that happened. I got on the Daily Beast, and that was cool. And then a couple other Asian writers put me on blogs. Collaboration came, and then like my booking agent's wife is uh, Chinese, and she brought me to him, and he's white. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like, "Well, you know, my wife showed me your video, and I got another agent that way." Um, so a lot of Asian wife gossiping. I'm wow. um, like, cool Asian wife, yeah. And then, you know, Asian Americans, um, a lot of them work in media. A lot of them are journalists and, um, you know, they all, and it was kind of a stepping stone of help. And, yeah, um, it, it, yeah and I think they all got that from their community, their Asian community. But now I hang out with a lot of Asians. Like, <laughs> like my best friend is like dumbfounded, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then yeah. my other best friend is Rex Dizzy. Like those, those are my homies. So I, I'm very in, involved in it now. And I think... Um, it's, it's, it's really cool. You know, it's, it's, it's something that it's, it's definitely like a sense of community, um, and a sense of like, you know, knowing and, and just like having, um, you know, just co, co-Asians. It's dope. <laughs> it's good. All right. Well, that was our round table. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to uh, talk about some collaboration updates, but we'll be right back with more from Aquafina. Hey everyone, it's Marvin. Thanks again for listening to the Collabcast. Uh, we love doing this podcast for you and are so excited that you're listening to us. Um, so we're just going to go through some quick collaboration updates before we get back to our episode with Aquafina. As always, the Collabcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community. Now, there's quite a few collaboration events going on around the nation, so um, keep your eyes open. And first up, we have Collaboration Chicago, which is taking place Saturday, July 9th, 2016 at 1 p.m. at Lincoln Hall. Tickets for the show are on sale now, so um, for more information, please check out the Collaboration Chicago Facebook page, or there's also a link on collaboration.org. Also on Saturday, July 9th, is a Collaboration DC Live Spotlight show at the Epicure Cafe in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, if you'd like to participate in the show, either as a performer at the open mic or as a attendee, um, please check out the Collaboration DC Facebook page for more information. 
We have a couple events the following week on Saturday, July 16th. First up, it's the second Collaboration DC Live Spotlight show um, taking place at Recessions Cafe in Washington, DC. Um, again, for more information, check out the Collaboration DC Facebook page or look for the link on collaboration.org. Next up is Collaboration Los Angeles. The Collaboration LA 2016 showcase is taking place Saturday, July 16th, 2016 at 7 p.m. at the David Henry Quine Theater in Little Tokyo. For more information about the show, please check out the event website at www.collabla.org. And you can also find more information on collaboration.org. Finally, rounding up the July showcases, it's Collaboration Houston taking place on Saturday, July 30th, 2016. Uh, Location is still to be announced, so please stay tuned to their Facebook page for more information. Um, But we'll be updating you as soon as we learn anything. And for those of you who don't have a local collaboration showcase to look forward to attending, you can find collaboration content all over the internet, including our website at www.collaboration.org, as well as our YouTube channel. Um, You can search youtube.com slash collaboration zero zero. We just posted some great content for you um, this week, including a new episode of our Coffee Break series, where Collabcast co-host Minji Chang interviews Big Tony, a great singer-songwriter um, formerly of New York and Los Angeles and now currently residing in Korea. You should also check back onto the site for new blog posts and media going up all the time, as well as for past episodes of the Collabcast. Um, if you want to catch up, you can find all the episodes on collaboration.org. And that's all I have for this collaboration break. Um... Like I said before, stay tuned for some exciting announcement coming up um, regarding this podcast and other Asian American podcasts. Uh, we're, we're working on something with other Asian American podcasters in the LA area, and we can't wait to show you what we're working on. But until then, stay tuned. Um, we'll be updating you about our new projects soon. And yeah, that's about it. Um, let's get you back to the show. And welcome back to the show. Uh, it's episode 74 of the Cloudcast. Um, I'm Marvin, along with our co-host, Christine. Well, along with our co-host, Minji Chang. What's up? It's no more Christine. She's vanishing. <laughs> and we're here with our guest, Aquafina. Hi. Hey, welcome hey. back. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, as we go into our feature segment, where we're going to talk a little bit about something that Aquafina knows a little bit about, and that's how to be all the swagger. I, I couldn't think of an adjective. Again, how to bring life. it. How to be fleekage. That's how you would say it, right? How, how to, to be fleek, Marv? I, I would <laughs> yes. never say that. Yes, you would. <laughs> Lenora, um, yeah, I, I'm just like I, I want to let you know that we we shared um, we shared in our collaboration like Facebook group that we're gonna have you on the podcast and people are freaking out. They're like, oh my god, that's so dope. So we have like a ton of questions for you already, but I don't want to like jump off into that just yet. But mm-hmm. I I think you know a lot of people are curious because we were just talking about that in the last segment about how. You kind of got plugged into the Asian American community and how you had a very different experience in like high school, like not hanging out with Asian people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I'm so curious to like dive more into that and know your backstory of like how you started rapping and how all of this amazingness that is you came oh to be. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean that's that's cool that i hope i didn't say anything stupid in this podcast no, no. people are like I go back. um no it's i got so yeah i didn't hang out with a lot of asian people growing up at all um and it wasn't because i avoided them but it just i didn't grow up in a, in a very heavily asian neighborhood i, I grew up de- like literally in the definition of a melting pot situation and um, I think that influenced like the the confidence at which I I, I pursued um, music. Uh, like I played the trumpet when I was really young, and my dad was kind of like, um, "That's weird, but okay." <laughs> so I went I went to LaGuardia, and I was a terrible student um, in LaGuardia. I I, I just uh, yeah, I didn't excel there, and I think I felt like in a way that it killed my musical dreams because. You know, LaGuardia, uh, if you don't, don't know, it's it's like an arts high school where you have to audition to get in. And Nicki Minaj went there, Jennifer Aniston. It was it's a very prestigious New York City high school. It was it's kind of the equivalent of going to Stuyvesant. So people are as as proud of you if you get into there. 
than are if you get to like Stuyvesant, you know? Um, so like I went there and like, I remember I was so, I was such a bad student and my dad would go to like parent teacher conferences and, uh, the teacher told him was like, sometimes for a lot of our students getting into LaGuardia is the best thing they'll ever do in their lives. Uh So I kind of, um, really took that to heart. Um, and so, you know, I, I started making beats and I would rap, um, to fill in my beats and a lot of them, uh, were some of a lot of them were serious, and then a lot of them were just really comedic because I felt I felt like I felt more uh, at ease sharing them because I didn't want to show people like my introspective like emo stuff because I feel like that makes people feel uncomfortable when you're mm-hmm. playing them like you, you know, being all drippy and weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that like so my vag was like uh, the one of the songs I covered, which is why like my dick, that song that it's based on was so old. It's from like 2008. Uh-huh. So like I made that when I was like 19. Um, and then, yeah, like I played that song uh, for people. And then I got in the hands of a filmmaker years later and I was working at a company that was cool, but I didn't care much about the stuff I was doing there. It was like PR, you know? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so, it's kind of dumb. Yeah. And then that happened. And then a filmmaker was like, let's make it a video. So I was like, but I work at a job now. And then he was like, you know, but still. So that's why I have the glasses as Aquafina because I wanted to hide my identity, okay. um, which didn't work. So and then I, I told my <laughs> boss about it. I told my boss about it like a little bit after I filmed it. And she was like, oh, OK. And then I got laid off. She wrote me an email and was like, you really shouldn't do this. Um, it's, it's just for like, it's bad for you because you can't, you don't know what you're going to put on the internet and how it's going to come back and haunt you. And also like, it's bad for our company. Um, so I was like, okay. So a couple weeks, months later, I was laid off under questionable circumstances. So yeah. Wow. It was a weird thing. And at the same, and then after that, I was like, I'm not going back to an office with this out there. You know, I don't want to have this weird thing happen. Um, and I didn't know it would go anywhere. So, you know, I just took a job at, um, a vegan bodega first and then a Japanese restaurant. Um, and then uh, while I was working those jobs, it, it slowly went viral to the point where, um, I just didn't have to work there at those jobs anymore. That's so crazy. I had no idea that you got, well, yeah, it's questionable, right? Like it was never like you're getting laid off because. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it happened and it wasn't like a a departmental layoff. Like it was, I was the only one in my Uh department. I understood it. Like, you know, and that's a sacrifice you have to make. It was, it was seriously maybe the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. I mean, if I was still there, maybe I wouldn't have, you know, pursued it as hard if I had nothing to lose. Right. So, yeah. Well, I am one of those drippy, emotional, like super hippie touchy-feely people I really believe like I'm a total believer in everything happening for a reason even especially actually especially the shitty stuff because that I think moves you more significantly oh totally of course I I believe in it too yeah yeah but I also think that it's also easy to like take things and then be like this is why this happened you know what I mean yeah but I believe in that as well yeah yeah that's so dope. I, I had no idea. And, like, good for you for, like, standing by that because, I don't know, there's – there's you could have taken it off. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of ways that that could have played out. I think you could have, yeah, like, and heard I, that feedback and been like, all right, so that's getting deleted from the- Oh, yeah. No, I would I, – I mean, I think that one thing that I, I would have done and, and that is true to myself is that I would never would have taken it off. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, that could have been – the thing, and I also think what also helped was that I had zero expectations. I think that it, it could have hurt someone who maybe is like who maybe had spent like ten thousand dollars on a publicist, right? You know, and was like, "Well, this is going to go viral. I'm, I, I know it's going to go viral, and I paid for it to go viral, and then it doesn't go viral, and then you're like, that that really my life sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> uh, that was terrible. Uh, yeah, I had zero expectations. So I think that's a good." Like if for that's why I think is like for just people out there who are like trying to become artists, like just don't have expectations and put out things that you don't do you 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 can't imagine anyone seeing yet you can imagine everyone seeing you know yeah like, like that was and I I I smoke weed I don't I'm sorry I, I do I just do mm-hmm. um, and so after and I do a lot but after I put out my vag I just I couldn't smoke weed because I I had a meltdown. 
you know, when you, you smoke weed, sometimes you get like super self-conscious and, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a meltdown, so I, I, I didn't smoke for like months. It's great. Interesting. Like, and that's like a whole different version of you too, because if that's like your regular thing and a lot of people, and a lot of artists smoke weed because it helps kind of get them to that creative open space, if you will. Yeah. But I can only, I don't know. I can only imagine the impact of that. But I think that's so interesting because that, that touches upon exactly what Marvin kicked off this whole segment with is like the swag factor is it's so for me, like the, the, the thing that I really gravitated towards with, with your music and with your personality and everything was the fact that you, you kind of embody that in general. You don't have, you don't, you're not trying to fulfill others' expectations. You don't have expectations of others. And I think that gives you that very innate cool factor because you're not, faking anything you're not like oh my yeah. god like me do you like me am i cute I mean, but do you like people who are like that i mean they're just unlikable Some people, people. I'm, not, I'm not gonna be like specific but there are people name out there. exactly who was like you know, <laughs> let's talk about exactly who is like that um well first of all no. name every single one of your peers i have absolutely <laughs> hit that girl though and like you know and i still find myself this is hollywood you know we're working in entertainment you you learn how to navigate by and and that's why I think the part that I love about being an actor is that I believe everybody is because you don't act the same around every single person you you do become a different version of yourself yeah when you're in a professional setting with family with friends with like you know people you just met but I think that's a very universal struggle of everybody trying to figure out who the hell they are how they fit in the grand things and how you actually are authentic because I think some people struggle to even get that get to that point right like they will think that they are but it's kind of that imposter syndrome problem that we got going especially with the internet and especially with so many ways to compare ourselves it's Mm -hmm. just I think it's a really big struggle but that's why I I really loved your stuff and thank you yeah I just I love I love it (laughs) yeah Marvin if like I totally bombarded your (laughs) Oh, I'm just fascinated by this entire conversation. <laughs> yeah. So like Minji mentioned, um, we did reach out to our collaboration staff members for questions. So uh, do you want to shoot those at uh, Aquafina? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm. Well, so Linda from New York was okay. curious. Was that your New York uh, accent? Shut up. <laughs> How did she do, Aquafina? No. But I, you're from Queens, right? You're you're seven one eight. I saw that on some of your your videos. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm, my I'm that's my birthday. That's my pager code, girl. Oh, you're seven eighteen. <laughs> that's my birthday. Yeah, that was like my my identity growing up. Wow. Anyway, can you can you read this entire question with your New York accent? No, I will not. Stop putting <laughs> the spot. Stop it. Um, so Linda says, uh, who would you consider as some of the most influential Asian Americans in the entertainment industry today, and why? Oh, wow. Um, well, for me, um, Margaret Cho uh, meant a lot to me growing up. Like, she was the only person that um, did what I do, what I what I do. Like, she's a woman. She's an Asian woman. She's brash. And, 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 and she, I think I connected with her in a really strong way to the point where I think it was, I felt that it was okay for me to do Aquafina years later, you uh-huh. know? Like I think I I literally connected to her so strongly that it influenced what I what I'm doing right now. Yeah, um, yeah. She was and, like the first Asian American, like, give no fucks lady, right? Like, a lot of what you heard about her was just how she didn't care about your cultural norms or making you feel comfortable. Yeah, she's very unfiltered. Yeah. Yeah, she's extremely unfiltered, and and I think people always like. I think like she gets a misrepresentation of being just really violent and like aggressive, which she does, but like not in the way that you think. Yeah. Um, but I think like what what I really connected to her with her like as a as a child because her comedy has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mostly just her being just really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, yeah. and, and to, you know, she's as funny as most white male comedians that you'd see all over Comedy Central specials and HBO specials. So that I think that was very powerful to just yeah. know that like that existed because what the message that sends to a child is that even if you're funny, you can't verifiably be funny because there's no one else like you that's funny. Right. You know what I mean? Like as a kid. Yeah. Right. Um, and that like, it's okay to be funny. It's okay to make fun of things. 
Yeah, you yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and, and it, 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 there's no confidence in it. That's, I mean, that's why there's so many white guys out there <laughs> that try to become stand-up comedians. You know what I mean? Like that's, they just think they're entitled to it but because like they, they, it's just such a viable image for them, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so her definitely. Um, and then there, there are a lot of eight other Asian Americans that I feel like are just kind of like sleeperly influential, like B.D. Wong. Yeah. You know? He's like, he's incredible. He was in this movie. It's, it's, oh my God, I'm forgetting it right now, but he plays a really ratchet, um, wedding planner. I know what you're talking about. Do you know about. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, oh my it's, God. What I don't remember them. I, I, I had the visual in my head. He plays well, like this wedding yeah. planner that was hilarious. And it's such a departure from <laughs> his character on Law and Order. But then Wait, also where he's when like I was working, totally, yeah. no, which ahead. one was it? Oh, no, I was saying his character in Law and Order is like totally just like, I'm just here to explain things to you. Well, yeah, yeah no, no. His character in Law is. and Order is, is definitely different. But he, I was working at a, poli- I, I interned at a, a local NYC politics newspaper. And as a part of that internship, we like went through all the campaign contributions. So I remember he gave like a large sum of money to a Democratic candidate. And I remember just seeing that on my own. And being like, oh, wow, he's a baller, dude. Like, this guy's a baller. He's an institution. Like, he's a B.A. Wong. Yeah. Giving as much money as, like, you know, I don't know. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I, I found it. It was a Father of the Bride. Yes, it was Father, Father of the Bride. Oh, yeah. I thought that, that was in the top of my head. And I was like, are you talking about Father of the Bride? I, I want to say that, but I, like, I was going to say, like, nine months. Was it nine months not Father of the Bride? I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. He is so good in that movie. He's hilarious. He's just so ridiculous. He's so good. It's amazing. I need to watch that again now. Yeah, you should go watch it right now. Also the voice of Shang from Mulan. Oh my God. That's in. See, this is what I mean. He's so influential. (laughs) This guy's been everywhere. (laughs) But influential for me because I guess it's time relevant to like my growing up, you know? Yeah. 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 But that's like the importance of the whole thing. I mean, people talk like we, we say it so repetitively and it's like just saying, okay, yeah, we need role models, role models. And I, sometimes when you hear that term so much, it kind of loses its true importance. But right. yeah, exactly. When you think about, well, who is your role model? You recognize that, oh my God, they changed the game for me for the rest of my life because of that one thing that they did or that one song that I heard or whatever. It really did make you go like, oh, maybe I could do that too. And that changed everything. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, it's important for people to see that at a young age. Yeah. B.D. Wong and Margaret Cho. Wow. Those are like two. Well, Margaret Cho, obviously. I mean, I'm sure there are, are others that I'm just not, that are not coming into my mind. I'm sure there's a very, but I mean, like for real, <laughs> Margaret Cho, definitely though. B.D. Wong. I mean, it's still questionable. But yeah. like, you know, <laughs> he's a, obviously pretty ballers. Mulan, you know. Well, he's yeah. made a, he makes, he's made a career in the entertainment industry. And he probably started when it was pretty dire. You know, it's it's better now, so not great. But no, but that's what I mean. Like it's yeah, like, like it's like in the wild, wild west, the yeah. first Asian yeah. person that opened a restaurant, like back <laughs> in like 1905. That's what BD Wong is like in the entertainment industry. He like he was the first Asian family in that town, and he thrived. You know, and he's still thriving. That's what I love about him. He's he's a badass. I love yeah. it. I would really like to meet him one day. Yeah, for sure. So I love it. Um, well, so we got a question from Miss Jenny Yang. Okay. Um, where she asks, what have you learned about how you represent your identity as a woman, a woman of color in the spotlight since you first began? I, hold on. I need to like, it's a long question. What have you learned about how you represent your identity as a woman of color in the spotlight since you first began and got, have gotten feedback about it? Have people given you feedback about your representation in the grander scheme as like a woman of color? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know how badly it bothered people until I read the comments on my vag. And I think that's really when I like became woke to the, to just like the, just the, the general consensus of the internet and of the country too. Mm-hmm. Um, it being an Asian woman is very controversial. It, it It's just being, you know, in any other way than just writing Yelp reviews. It's, you know, <laughs> like it, it, people feel like you've invaded their space, that you've shown them something that is, is disgusting. Um, I've gotten definitely like really intense comments about that of people being truly bothered, not just of trolls, you know? And I think that 
that you know there do you do you develop a caution by default you know it's mm-hmm. funny because i think i was way louder and outspoken before um i became recognized as aquafina i think like back then i would have said anything and i wouldn't have worried about what a certain group would have said or what how people would have reacted or what kind of ramifications that could have had on a younger person or you know things like that i feel like i take that into consideration more and i think that it's also become a lot really dire for me to also continue to be myself and to continue making music um, because I think that people need it at the same time that people hate it. I think that people need it as well. Um, Like not like my songs, but just the message that I'm still doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that influences people and it also puts, it it definitely does. I feel pressured for sure. Like not for someone just being like, you're out to do this, but just like, I feel like I, I feel like I need to be doing this, um, you know, and I, I want to be doing it, but I also feel like it's good for me to be doing it, you know, yeah. and I should, I should just do it. I'm glad you're doing it. Thanks. Thank you. I will always be glad that you're doing it. It's, it's, <laughs> we've, we've had that term, we've, we've said it on our podcast a bit, but it, it comes with like fresh off the boat and all that stuff, the rep sweats, which is what Jenny Yang coined. And like, she's been just talking about, yeah, I freaking love her. And just the role of being a creative when it's, it is like so unabashed and so unique to you and just about your voice and your story. But then suddenly all that scrutiny comes in and you're just like, you can't avoid that anymore. And it alters how you're going to look at yourself and how totally. you can I mean, it, proceed. It, that sucks. Yeah. It messes with the vision for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it, because it's like, it's like, that's why I think acting is safe because it's one thing if you, if you act and you do a certain thing and that's a, a certain way, because people can talk about how ugly you are all day. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like that, like that people will attack you physically. If you're overweight, they'll attack you that you're overweight. But like, you know, I think like at the end of the day, if it's, if you're just acting like you and people attack it, that really can get to you. Absolutely. But it also, it's more the reason to just continue doing it. Like, what are you going to do? You know? So, yeah. Many people will stop. All right, we have time for one more question. Be- before we get to that, more BD One trivia. Um, <laughs> BD One was also on All American Girl. He played Margaret Cho's older brother. Yes, he yeah. was a doctor. Up. I completely forgot. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> There's so many layers to all of this. I love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can. This could be like an eight-hour-long podcast. <laughs> Seriously, this is what I'm saying. There's so much for us to uncover, but unfortunately, we'll we'll definitely have to have you back. I have I have so many more questions because I I want to Let's talk to you about it. your talk show, which I watched so many episodes of. Oh yeah, talk yeah. So much fun. Remember when? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the deep cuts. Damn, I do. It was yeah. hilarious. I love that. Cool. Um, so one question was, and I, I'm curious about this too. Um, one of our questions came from Lauren Lee and she was curious about your parents' thoughts on your music. Do they listen to it? And do um, think? So I was raised by my grandmother. Uh, my mom, who was Korean, passed away when I was four. Um, so I was raised by my Chinese grandmother and she um, spoiled me in, in every sense of the word. So when I wanted like singing lessons, you know, like she, like when I was like 12, she like got me singing lessons, you know? Um, so she's always been a fan and she was the only one, um, more so than my dad. My dad was against it. She, she was the only one that supported me. Um, when I quit my, when I got laid off and then I was working at at a bodega, um, she was the only one who was like, you know, you, you're just doing this for now and and it'll happen. And she's still the one to this day. That's like, you haven't made a good song since my veg. Like she will tell me that, uh, to my face. Um, wow. so she's like definitely up in it. And my dad, uh, was very, very against it to the, we couldn't, I couldn't talk to him for a little while. Um, I, I had to make the, the conscious choice just not to not talk to him until I, I could show him that it was real. And he discovered that it was real because he, I was on, I was in New York magazine and my article was like the most clicked. So it was on the front page of this huge picture of me on the New York magazine homepage, um, and my dad like visited it and uh, that day and he showed his coworker and his coworker said it was a young Korean American guy and was like, Oh wow, your daughter's Aquafina. So that's how my dad got on board. Wow. Yeah. We should make that into a movie. That like <laughs> Well, no, it was just that moment. 
It would it would be a stupid movie. <laughs> it would be <laughs> really fun. frustrating, a frustrating, pathetic movie. No, uh, you know I'm sure there's a movie with that same plot starring a white dude that was pretty successful. So you know I think I think we got something here. <laughs> the water dude, boy, that's the water boy. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, my, my grandma's God. down. That's amazing. I love that she's telling you that you haven't come out with a good song. Oh, she. She did, but now she has Facebook. So when I put okay. like when I when Asa Akira was on talk, we made that a Facebook video, and she watched it and like told me all about it later. Um, oh, God, my grandma Gra- is crazy. Grandparents on Facebook seems like a sign that the end times are here or something. It is. It's scary because <laughs> I because like you know when she first learned how to like iMessage, she would write me like all these really. She changes all these hilarious words and different words, and it really shows you like how her mind works, <laughs> like how her mind sees English words. I don't know. I was it was mind blowing to me. But anyway, um, so she, I would put them on Facebook. I can't even do that anymore because then she'll call me and she's like, "You're embarrassing me. Take that down." <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm so stupid. Um, so like, I can't do that anymore. Uh, and that's a bummer. So, But it's funny that you – it's like when you when you get to that level of recognition and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I hope that you're not reading too many comments because, like, that's – I mean, there's a reason why people say don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I read the comments in my vag and then I never read them again. For you. I mean, I never I, – I, yeah, it may, life is so much better without them. But, yeah, continue. Yeah, no, but I think it's great because they're those key people in your life that no matter, I just imagine, because I've seen a lot of different people in my experience with collaboration, like kind of grow in fame or like recognition and whatnot. And it's good to see when you have like important people close to you that can always throw it down and just keep Yeah, I mean, you, no, you need that. In reality, yeah. you know, there's definitely people out there who will, and because that's, that's a choice too. You can definitely like kind of, narrow your pool you know your circle so that you only have people around you always uh-huh. kissing your ass no but- that's what I mean that's but it's not even kissing your ass it's it's people that do it out of laziness because they don't they don't want to just say because it's awkward like if I went up to you and I showed you a video you would probably be like it's it's cool maybe maybe you'd say like I don't like this part but like you know like you get a lot of you get like you'll get like that and then you'll get these like lazy critics who are like no it's good you know what I mean? Without like, <laughs> wanting to delve into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or seeing why or being actually like critical and specific. Yeah. And also you can't listen to – you can listen to the – you can – I take negative comments into stride. Like I really do. Like I don't get mad at people for giving me negative comments. But I think that you, you shouldn't listen to all of them also. Yeah. All the yeah. time. For sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all the time we have for this Aww. episode. Sorry, we have more questions, but uh, maybe next time you should come back and talk to us again. I will. Thank you, guys, for <laughs> being dope. Next time you're back in California, we'll do this, do this in person. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, Sounds so we don't awesome. have to do like a five-way Skype. <laughs> yeah. Skype m- magic. Yeah, people don't realize, like, I'm here by myself in the office. Minji is in the bay Seth in like a studio, Francisco. apparently. Yes. And then, yeah, Aquamina is all, all the way across the The, the, the land. Country. Yeah, All across so the land. This is a fully three-way digital. I wish I was in California. Call. When are you Sweet. coming next? Are you coming soon? Um. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go a couple of weeks in August. We should we should meet up. Do you ever go to LA? Or I know it's far. Oh no! I mean, I live in LA. I'm just up here for my best friend's wedding. Oh. So. Oh, are you Julia Roberts or? I it was not that romantic. No, she's are you trying not, to break she... up your friend and her? her yeah, are you gonna break husband? up their wedding, Christine? I will not. I'll I'll be good. I'm maid of honor, so I just gotta like help her. Oh pee. my god, that's my <laughs> that's, main that's job. A big task. Wow, it is. I have to haul up that gown and let her relieve herself. That's my main duty, and then I get to go home. And I'm never gonna be maid of honor ever again. I love you, girlfriends. If you are even listening to my podcast, but yes. not gonna She's, do it. I'm, I'm, yes. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna. On that note, bye. <laughs> All right, we're gonna call this episode then, so I can go back and follow this. I'm going down this deep, deep wiki hole of BD Wong trivia. Yeah. All right, Aquafina. Um, if people, well, if people want to see more of your stuff, where should they go? Oh, um, Aquafina, my name. <laughs> Young Funyun on Snapchat, though. Young Aquafina was taken. Oh. Bastards. Rude. Um, rude. I was so mad. Rude. Rude. And then, rude. of course, I picked the the hardest to spell Snapchat name. So, um, good times. Okay, good times, right. guys. Really fun. Yeah. 
We'll yeah. talk to you later. We'll, we'll sign off after you, you hang out, but I'm going to hang thanks out. Thanks for I'm talking. I'm going to send this to you. Okay. Bye, guys. Right. Thank bye. you. Bye. Bye. And that was Aquafina hanging up before we end the podcast, but that's okay. She got to go. She gotta yeah, she got to go. Um, yeah. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, it's episode 74. We're almost at 75. Should we do something special for 75? I think that'd be fun. We'll come up hmm. with something unique. <laughs> we can talk more about Canada Day. Actually, oh, next. You want to? <laughs> nah. I can tell this isn't the audience. No, 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 no. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm taking responsibility for the rudeness of me cutting you off. I was just really excited to talk to Nora. But um, what is Canada today? Or you want to talk about that on the next one? No, podcast? don't worry about it. It's over. The moment has passed. Okay. If you'd like to learn, learn more about Canada today. Um, YouTube it. Yeah, Wikipedia. It's, it's on Wikipedia. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to send us an email to suggest any topics um, ask us any questions or just give us feedback on the podcast. Please send those emails to podcast at collaboration.org. And if you like what you heard, please um, subscribe to us where you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, um, TuneIn, and wherever you find and wherever you download podcasts through our RSS feed. Um, yeah, and, and if you do listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a review and rating. Um, it really helps us out, and it does feel good to get some validation that we're doing something good. So I read but, our reviews, and they made me really happy. Yeah, let's see those. Let's see those stars. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, that'll do it for us. Uh, for Marvin and Minji, this has been the Collabcast, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. My naked soul, you baby.